As business owners, entrepreneurs, family men, it's difficult for us to find the time to put together projects like these. Even though it's something we really want to do, unfortunately, taking care of the things we have to take care of comes first. However, because of viewer support for people like you, we're able to continue doing this. Please consider joining our Patreon and supporting the Burn and Return podcast. Listening to Burn and Return, a weekly one hour podcast covering news from the agricultural and turf grass industries. Uh, you heard the DJ scratch. You know what that means. It means it is time for another episode of Burn and Smurf and Return. How is everybody doing? I hope you had a fantastic week. Boy, uh, uh, DeMay put together some headlines today, and I'm not going to lie. I, I got sick to my stomach as I was, as I was reading one of them in the, uh, in the headlines, you know, and it's, look, everybody goes through those times in their life, you know, where they, where they, 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 they reach a point and they, they look around at everything in front of them and they're like, what is, what is society? What is culture? What is, I, I don't even understand what's being. Are you, are you having an anymore. existential crisis on air right now? I, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it started with your headline. I'm blaming you. I'm gonna start hitting. <laughs> what was the name of that movie with uh, Mark Wahlberg? Um, uh, and it was it was all Shooter. about him having an existential crisis, and he like kept hitting himself in the head. To, and he was like, "Oh my god, it makes it all go away." Uh, what what was that? Mark Wahlberg, Here? existential. Uh, uh, I heart <laughs> Huckabees. Has anyone seen I heart Huckabees? No, I've not. No. Okay. Uh, again, you know the few movies I've seen are of the most extreme, obscure movies, right? Um, this being one of them, I heart Huckabee. Strange, even story. How I ended up seeing this, it was. <laughs> I'll tell you off there. Were you coerced? Uh, Were you of sound mind and body when you decided to do that? No, I was trying to coerce someone else. Uh, and uh, and I, I thought see. I thought that was the uh, uh, the the fast track to coercion. And uh, I was actually right. And then I realized that that was probably not the right move, kind of thing. Anyway, I digress. Again, I am. Uh, you know, you 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 read you read about some of these things, and it's just it's like, man, I don't even know. Uh, and it's funny because Looney says here. Any chance there's time tonight to talk about fertilizer prices as to where they are now and expected to go next year? Wonder if I should buy some this fall since I have storage space. As a matter of fact, we are going to talk about that today. <laughs> uh, and we're going to loop it in. And we've got all kinds of great news and shit news and a whole bunch of shit that's just going to make us all say, what is anybody trying to sell me anymore? No we one have knows. time to talk about uh, Karen's, the extreme coupon for lots of tan- cans of tuna. We have time to talk about that, too. <laughs> I knew there was a re- I knew there was a reason. I didn't think it was for uh, the end of the world, though. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's about uh, you know volume. Girth. It's about. I was going to say it's about it's about volume. But again, we need to standardize some of it because just like a two by nineteen is dangerous, a nineteen by two is dangerous as well, right? The the old the old pencil D. It is I, that could that could cause that at that point you're basically an arrow from a bow and arrow, right? Like. 
and depending depending upon the speed of your hip thrust. Speaking speedy hip thrust, does anybody remember the uh, the wheelchaired young kid congressman Madison Cawthorn? Um, yes, you know he blew the whistle on you know a lot of a lot of a lot of cocaine being done on uh, on Capitol Hill parties, and uh, then magically a uh, a video leaked of him humping his cousin. And uh, mind you, this guy's in a wheelchair, and I can't say I've ever seen anyone hip thrust another human being with such speed before in my life. And I was like, that is fascinating. Again, should that guy have a uh, a, a 19 by 2 versus a 2 by 19? I mean, again, uh, well, listen, that that's that, a weapon. That is well, a spear. <laughs> if you go in the wrong way, too, that turns in, and that goes from an encounter to an upper GI really quickly. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, can you can you patch the holes in my lungs? I feel I feel like I'm not holding air anymore. Okay, uh, let's check out this week's headline. Especially if they go in through the trach tube. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> through the lungs, through the trach tube. Nothing to fear here. How's my bronchi? I feel. Uh, this is just the news, and uh, oh we'll we'll we'll, ke- wow. we'll kick off with this, this one is, here. Yeah. Uh, Governor Newsom, uh, the 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 great white hope, I'll call him. Uh, I don't I don't know why, but you know this is this is the definition of the uh, uh, affluent uh, white male liberal uh, savior complex of a human being is uh, is is Governor Gavin Newsom, great man. Don't get me wrong, a hell of a lot smarter than I am, which isn't saying much, but. Uh, is uh, is should be on the on the uh, the the poster of Clown World, as everyone else. A state bill on the verge of becoming law would ban the use of drinking water to irrigate decorative grass. Uh, a mandate endorsed by Marin leaders who are already largely prepared for it. Okay, it's made its way to Governor uh, Governor, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom's desk. All kinds of grassy areas, the street medians, business parks, city sidewalks, decorative grass. Uh, can still be irrigated with recycled water, right? So basically, they're saying potable water in uh, decor- decorative areas like this um, can uh, can can no longer be used. It'll be fined. Um, however, if it's functional turf, parks, playgrounds, cemeteries, athletic fields, yes, you can use uh, homes and apartment buildings. Yes, you can use potable water. Uh, but but any any kind of like you know just purely for decoration area areas, uh, you got to use um, uh, uh, non potable water, recycled water, yeah. right? Yep. Again, I, is this is this the worst thing that could happen? I I really don't I don't think so. Not at all. I I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't call this overreaching. Other than you know, does it really have to become a law? Um, and uh, I'm not smart enough, and I don't understand enough of the of the the local uh, economic hardships and and uh, uh, weather hardships to 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 understand you know what their water infrastructure is, water supplies, all that fun shit. Anyway, here's so a, here's a couple of I'm not the right person to answer it. But here's a couple of issues with doing this. Sure. Okay, Matt. That's what we're here for. Number one, when you make a mandate like this, do you have the infrastructure to deliver said reclaimed water to those sites? Do you even have that infrastructure in place? Because you see, here we go again with government making up mandates, pulling it out of their ass, and doing so. When there is no infrastructure to support those mandates, and secondly, do you know why reclaimed water is not normally 
used in public areas. Do you guys know why? Why? Peter Waste Roller. Because uh, health departments in most municipalities prohibit usage of recycled water on situations where the public may possibly come in contact with that recycled water. Because you see, here in Hawaii, I only know of one private development on the west side of the island that was allowed to use recycled water on the golf course and in all of the common areas. And the reason why that was granted is because that entire complex is considered private property. And all of the appropriate signage, et cetera, has been posted <clears throat> not to come in contact with the water. You know, in some instances, like I know, uh, one of the stormwater regulations locally here was adopted uh, from, from Nashville. And one of the things you saw is that you had to contain a one-inch rainfall on your property. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and so like some areas that are pure, uh, impermeable surfaces or installing cisterns, right? Like, uh, the new dormitories at university of Tennessee has, uh, has cisterns that are storing this, this runoff water. Right. And, uh, mm -hmm. and obviously that would be considered non-potable. And, uh, I could see something like that being used as irrigating, you know, medians and, and grassways and all that fun shit. But if that already exists and you don't have the plumbing or the pumps uh, and, uh, you know, what's it like running, you know, 14 zones around a quarter of a mile uh, parkway uh, uh, when when all that's already done and established? Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Because you see, my question is, is that so... How is this reclaimed water that they're mandating going to get to all of those places that it is now mandated to be applied to? Because, uh, you see, that is yet another set of water mains that have to get installed. You guys know that? That's yep. another set of water mains. And, uh, like, what I'm familiar with is in this neighborhood or or complex that this water this reclaimed water is used is okay we have normal pipe and then we have fluorescent purple pipe that is uh you know buried in the ground and the fluorescent purple pipe of course is uh reclaimed water for irrigation use You know, again, it's it's one of those things that you you read it on the front end and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and then you start thinking about implementation of it. And you're like, huh. It looks like each what? one of these projects is going to require a uh, uh, a seven-figure investment to make it operational. Then, where does that seven-figure investment come from? Does it does it come from the endowment? Um, is does California have a flush uh, budget right now of, of excess that they are just 
have a really on fire hole in their pocket that they, they got, they got to put money somewhere quick because it is just piling up too fast. That's what I hear nope. about California. Nope. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what you, okay. Reality is, is that huh. this is an example of yet another state. Does anywhere has... in the country have flush cash laying around to do seven figure projects right now? Let's be honest. No, they don't. And then of course, California stands out as one of those states where there's so many underfunded and contradictory mandates. Okay? There's, that's like their issue. Contradictory and even unconstitutional mandates. But let's just yeah. talk about the mandates that are underfunded and impractical because do you know what I know about installing water mains? It's a good time. Yeah, Matt, it's a super good time. I mean, uh, because now we're talking about having to dig up the entire fucking city just to put on, just to put in another set of pipes. Wonder, okay. I wonder if, uh, if they're paving roads with radioactive gypsum in, uh, in California, and then that makes its way into the waterway, and, uh, and, then, and then we've, we've created a whole other thing. I, I stole that from David Clausen because he said they'll bitch about health hazards from irrigation drift next, which is true. Uh, we won't wait too long. We've got to move on to the next one here because okay. this is the one that will instill the existential crisis of crises within you. <laughs> um, the U.S. buys a record amount of Russian fertilizer from January to July. Look, it still Why? stands out into my head. And I mean, I, look, I, I was the first person championing this. Do you remember when Russia invaded Ukraine and everybody's pouring out Russian vodka? And man, I can remember sitting. I was, I was in my plant. I remember exactly the project I was running. And I was, I got the notification on YouTube from this breaking news guy. I watched Stephen Luckner that, that this shit was popping off and I flipped it on and I run over to JB and I was like, holy shit, we're going to fucking war. And, uh, and I mean, it, it was, it was nuts. Everybody's pouring out Russian vodka. We're canceling their ability to run visas. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then, and then you see However, that. We're buying record amounts of Russian fertilizer? What? What? Wait, what? I know what. What am I being sold here? What am I being sold? I know. Uh, we, I know exactly what. We're pumping what. $100 billion into this to save democracy, but we're going ahead and giving a billion dollars of, of economic incentive via fertilizer. To, and I don't even know what's going on in the oil and gas market. I'm scared to look. If we're buying okay. uh, fertilizer at this volume, what the fuck's going on in ONG? What's going on in Natty Gas? What's going on in whatever mineral rights they have or whatever they export? I don't know. And I'm scared to look because, again, that idea of the aliens vaporizing things and, and, and really, really starting the party gets me amped. No, no this, is, this is exciting because you know what, Matt? This is peak clown world because... <laughs> You know, I did I not foresee this? Did I not foresee this when I said, okay, the wokey dokey greening meanies are going to take over and they are going to do the following. 
they are going to export all of the dirty work to the third world shitholes. Okay, they're going to export all the dirty work to the bad countries, but at the same time, you know, the wokey dokies still need their iPhones. The wokey dokies still need heat in their house because you see the wokey dokies are hypocrites they're the ultimate hypocrites because you know how the idea of their hypocrisy was brought home to me matt that meme that is widely circulated on the internet about okay side by side the two pictures one picture is of the American roughnecks uh, drilling for oil. And then the other picture is of these children in sub-Saharan Africa slogging around in filth. And that filth is a cobalt mine. Jinping wants to know if you got your iPhone 15 yet. That's funny. Uh, I'm sure the supernova did. (laughs) I didn't. Hell no. He's he's got friends but, in Colombia, uh, so you know he's got the the direct pipeline of the good shit. Yeah. Um. I I uh, look and so what basically what they're saying here is that the U.S. does not want to weaponize food to create a humanitarian crisis. Okay. But they are they are no talk, wait, hang, hang on hang on hang on but give give us give us the fair <clears throat> amounts here. Uh, give us the cent the centralization. I was going to say centrist, but I'm trying to. It's everything uh, you talked about at the front. It's all a simulation. There's, there is no way in a globalist society, which, listen, you can, you can say that you don't want it. You can say that you do. The fact of the matter is it's here. And the fact of the matter here is that there are too many people, too much shit at risk, right? Whether it be humanitarian in nature or money that's at risk, right? For the people that don't want to part with their money. And it's never going to go away. It's never going to be something, well, hey, we're just going to swear off Russian oil forever. See how that's going over in Europe right now. See how that's going mm-hmm. for Germany right now. Mm-hmm. Germany is in a fucking tailspin right now because they, at least they held true. I mean, the thing you can say about Germany is at least they've been, from what I've understood and seen, they've been principled about how they've gone about it. And it's causing yeah, real super, fucking pain. Yeah, and super you principled. And you know what? Go ahead. Yeah. And Germany even did one more thing to shoot themselves in the foot regarding energy. Uh, Germany decided to be very virtuous and upright and proper, and Germany shut down their nuclear plant. Okay? I mean, they shut down their nuclear plants, and so now the story I hear is now Germany is very desperate for coal, they uh, are desperate for uh, oil. I, hang, hang on, guys. I got, I got, I got bad news. Um, what? Uh, <laughs> there you go. Germany, Germany has decided to go ahead and start buying oil from India. And anybody that watches the news knows so they that India the... has been oh, buying up the holy shit out of cheap Russian oil. Well, so, and that's not all yeah, they're doing right and, now, uh, too. Yeah, it's true too. And India, <laughs> and India, of course. Uh, what has been in the news regarding India? What has been in making the news fertil- lately? Because making fertilizer no, out of people, not necessarily making fertilizer out of people, but then uh, 
India is running their own version of the FSB death squads too. Where yeah, Ray, that's if you I'm don't saying. agree with the no, but if you don't don't fre- agree with the Indian fresh Indian government, uh, yeah, you fresh might be erased. Meal. Yeah, bone <laughs> meal. Oh yeah, I I remember that stuff. <laughs> uh, we started at soylent green. Now we're at bone meal. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, my whole point there was that it's uh, there. There is no getting out of this. There is no virtuous path. It's a just a big old pile of shit, and everybody ultimately, everybody that's like us loses, and that's the fucking point. Uh, there we go. When when the most uh, uh, humanitarian person on the show uh, it drops drops that that level of pessimism on you, you know, you know. It's just time to smile and nod, and uh, and get excited for when <laughs> for when the asteroid hits. Uh, real quick, uh, microbes are winning over Minnesota farmers. However, uh, there's some some skepticism that goes along with it. And uh, oh gosh, damn it! Wait, wait, I knew this, that was going to end up happening. Is this a? Uh, I was going to say, is this an article from uh, Farm Lover, the YouTube channel? Um, the, microbes. Sorry. <laughs> uh. So, and basically, where this is going is that this is this is from Pivot Pivot Bio, right? And uh, for those who don't know what Pivot Bio is, is they raised a billion dollars through every kick-ass foundation around the world as a startup, and uh, and what they have done is engineered a microbe that will effectively pull from the atmosphere um, forty pounds of nitrogen per acre, right? So. Effectively, one pound per thousand square feet per year uh, can be pulled from the air, and that is that is max. This isn't a more is better thing. Um, it it does not have long term uh, a lifespan. Uh, it doesn't like you know extended periods of drought. So, assuming conditions are good, you know, for a growing season, you can get up to a pound uh, per thousand square feet of free nitrogen, or forty pounds an acre, right? Which is beneficial. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's, that's a win, right? Especially if it's, if it's coming in at a lower price. Um, I have, you know, they obviously pivot bios excited. Uh, the people that are seeing this are excited. Uh, but of course there are skeptics and skeptics, uh, from people that are testing it in various conditions are not seeing the exact same results in every test, right? Uh, for instance, North Dakota State said it turned out the performance wasn't all that great. He uh, authored a paper compiling research on nitro-producing bacterial supplements at a dozen Midwestern universities. I think the most important thing for farmers to get out of it is don't believe everything you hear. Uh, he tried to buy nitro-producing microbes to test last year, and the products were sold out. He was shocked farmers were so quick to go on what, what uh, he believes is an unproven technology. Uh, how could you do this without seeing some kind of really positive research from people where their retirement program isn't tied to this? Uh, but they bought it all up, and that was, well, crazy. Uh, it tells farmers they want biological replacements for fertilizer. They should uh, first rigorously test the product on their farm. Uh, I understand the skepticism when you're trying to deliver li- deliver living organisms on the field. A lot of that has inconsistency, kind of doubt or skepticism. It's come from the fact uh, uh, that in hindsight, we realize that a lot of these things have not made it to the field alive. Uh, and it goes on and on and on to talk about it. Um, there is a great, I, I've plugged him before. Uh, there's a great follow on Twitter at agronomist ag. Um, uh, he is not a PhD. Uh, but uh, his name is Andrew McGuire. He has a master's degree and uh, also has a, a dual master's in engineering as well. Incredibly bright guy. 
Um, I would say this guy's autism is off the charts uh, in a in a good way, and um, uh, loves to deep dive into a lot of these things, especially published research in the space, right? And you're going to find everything from you know research of Pivot Bio and inconsistencies that go along with it. Um, the you know when you hear phrases from people now talking about how uh, we are addicted to fertilizers and pesticides and regenerative farming is the cure for this addiction. You know, he tries to understand what that addiction actually means. You know, are we, are we, are we suffering from a disease here of sorts? And uh, it turns out maybe, maybe the disease is, is actually the way we apply labels uh, more so than uh, um, uh, what, what we're trying to, to actually prove. <laughs> right. The, the disease is the, uh, the, the cluster B philosophy that's, that's kind of going on here. Um, Anyway, I digress. I, I recommend you do that uh, because that that will give you a little bit more balanced uh, 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 perspective here other than just, you know, what your sales guy is going to tell you. Now, that being said, there are also instances where this shit has 100% worked as advertised and done some really cool things. The trick is going to be, you know, figuring out long term, how do you make that replicable across every farm, across the country? across every crop, across every soil condition. I don't think those answers exist yet. Um, uh, uh, Colorado may be backing off the mower band uh, to fight ozone, it turns out. Uh, we just talked about <laughs> we this just, last the, week. The governor, no, the governor talked about this. This is in Denver. So oh. read this. This is the other side of the coin, though. It's pretty interesting that this is all happening and evolving in parallel. So read the article real quick. A proposed ban on the sale of new gas-powered lawn equipment in Denver metro area may be off the table after state health department staff recommended an alternative proposal that merely bars state and local government use of gas machines in the summer months. The Regional Air Quality Council, the governor-designated advisory group in charge of monitoring and fighting the ozone problem in nine front-range counties. I love the bureaucracy on top of bureaucracy there. The Regional Air Quality Council, a government-designated advisory. Mm, and you know that place is just awesome to work at. I have a lot of people there that are really upset with how they got treated in high school. Uh, asking the State Air Quality Control Commission, uh, now you have the Air Quality Control Commission, another another uh, red tape uh, 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 group there, for both new sales bans and blocks on all government and commercial landscapers using gas power machines in the summer. Air monitoring environmental experts say the lawn and gas equipment contribute a small but measurable, measurable and controllable portion of Colorado's ozone violations. Gas mowers and blowers used by homeowners and small commercial operations can be replaced easily by improved clean electric models, they say, with government rebates. <laughs> the staff of the Air Quality Commission at the Health Department's Air Pollution Control Division, we're on number three of the red tapeathon here, instead put forth a competing proposal for commissioners to consider this week. Staff recommendations are often given preference by the commission. This one deletes any sales ban and applies the summer use ban only to gas equipment controlled by state or local government agencies. Environmental groups are holding out <laughs> hope that they could persuade state commissioners to accept the tougher RAQC proposal. Uh, it's, it's important that all of us, governments, commercial operators, and individuals, shift away from dirty, loud, gas-powered lawnmowers and leaf blowers as quickly as possible, said Chris and Schatz the highlight of every party you've ever been to. Every bit of pollution we prevent from entering our air makes it different for our health and quality of life. Um, we spend a lot of time doing stakeholder meetings. In, what kind of meetings? Stakeholder meetings. Getting input from our board who voted to submit ours as it was. 
I think it's great that this issue is getting so much attention. We can all present our views with a robust discussion about the best way forward. Then it goes on to say, uh, ban the sale of new gas-powered smaller equipment in the nine-county non-attainment area on January 1, 2025. Ban the summertime use of gas-powered smaller equipment by institutions or public entities and the private contractors they employ in the same non-attainment areas. Ban commercial entities from using existing smaller gas-powered equipment during the summer months starting June 1, 2026. Uh, the proposal would not be statewide, but would cover all the counties. The EPA says as a ozone problem. Um, anyway, there we are. We talk to me about this debate. What do you? What do you? What do you? What do you think when you see this? Like what? Oh, what, it, what do this you is, smell? This is, oh, this is like you said, the red tape agency. This is uh, local government at its finest of people that are jockeying for position and uh, operating purely on ego. Uh, it is everything that is wrong with local government and this is coming from somebody who worked deep inside of local government for eight years in a mega bureaucracy and i can tell you at every level there are people on uh, all sides of this that absolutely fucking despise each other and probably will go to such lengths as to not include certain remarks in official emails so that they can call each other to make those remarks so they're not public record so that would be an interesting deep dive you know jim i think you're a cunt thanks marty Boya, all that. Yeah. However, yeah. do you know why and how all this bullshit even started? You know how Governor and where Newsom. this all, all started? No, hardly. Okay. I was just throwing stones. Elect- elections have consequences, people. <laughs> and when I say elections have consequences, here we go with the EPA throwing shit at the wall and seeing if it sticks. All right? This is the EPA. And by it's the way... stuck at the municipal level. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Here's a little thought for everybody listening. I did not goddamn vote for a 70 part per million ozone limit when previously the limit was 75 parts per million okay i did not vote for that and anybody listening to this ask yourselves if you voted for that because if you didn't you better think about what's going on in washington dc ladies and gentlemen because i he's running because i didn't vote because i didn't vote for this shit all right i didn't vote for this nonsense you didn't vote for this because because we we have not saved democracy yet ray and the only way we're going to save democracy is by um saying one thing out of the side of our mouth and continuing to purchase record amounts of fertilizer from russia um anyway i think we've covered Mm -hmm. the headlines there let's uh all right i'm gonna i'm gonna do a little sponsor read right now okay uh this no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I tell you, I tell you what I'm going to do. If you if you hear this and you can't figure out what I what I take pride on is is the fact that you hear this and you're going to you're going to hear a little bit of everything, right? If you if you if you are like, I can't figure out where these guys lie politically. I can't figure out what these guys are going to say next. Uh, these guys feel like I'm actually having a conversation with them um, at a at a picnic table at a corner food truck bar. 
<laughs> because the reality is, is that the, the conversation we're having right now is, is what it's like when we're in person too, except usually there's a copious number of cans of uh, adult beverages on the table in front of us as well too. <laughs> More worse. dirty words too. Let's be honest. There's going to be a lot of dirty jokes <laughs> oh, in there, well, yeah. there too. Um, and then, and then, of course, we'll have we'll have uh, spouses in the back corner shouting jeers at us um, about volume and uh, the the hardness scale and uh, all, the, all the other things that you know come from come from that table. I digress. Uh, if you if you, if you want to hang out with uh, with with the with the community of people that we like to hang out with. Uh, because genuinely the people the people that you're going to find in our patreon are like dudes that we legitimately enjoy hanging out with on a personal level like real deal we have a meetup and we hang out with these people we don't walk away from it and be like i would never hang out with that guy in real life we walk away and be like i can't wait to fucking hang out with that guy again and uh and you know we would stop doing meetups if it went the other way i promise you that uh if there's one thing the people haven't realized, like when you when you watch me fly off the handles and tell someone to fucking turn us off and go watch something else. If if you're interested in uh, Sesame Street, feel better about yourself kind of content. Um, uh, if we we are not beholden to anyone except what we want to do. You know what though? I wish you would stop being a giant pussy and lose the pretentious microphone and headphones. Dude, <laughs> look, I got a comment the other day that said, drop the, lose the pretentious headphone and microphones. And I don't know why. It's, it's a well, like a three year old video. Like a three year old video. video. And it's, it, what, what blows my mind about it is, is that do you think I put this on with the intent of demonstrating that I'm better to you? And do you think, that you, a stranger whose whose name I have never seen before, commenting on a video of someone who you probably turned on for the first time in passing, and you felt so strongly about it, though every fucking live show on YouTube has people featured on it wearing something of, of this ilk, that I'm going to take your comment and be like, guys, you know what? This motherfucker right here nailed it. Drop the headphones, yeah. drop the microphone. We need to remove the pretentiousness out of what we do. That is a failing point in our brand. Uh, you know what the failing oh, point really? in our brand is? Is that we probably <laughs> don't bark loud enough that assholes like that need to get the fuck out of here. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah, because uh, uh, Matt, I can drop my headphones and microphone too, but then... You know what you all get to listen to if I do? Do you remember? Yeah, it was literally a solo cup with a string attached on the end of it. We're, we're very, no, we're very aware like, of what it was. You're, you remember when we did a help desk show almost five years ago, and you could hardly hear what I was saying because my neighbor decided that Sunday afternoon was a good time for him to vacuum out his car. Oh yeah, I remember, I remember that? that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, and and do you remember all the other times when I thought Ray was going to come? Know, I'm trying to that night when you know I was trying to answer questions, uh, you know, written in by the audience, and what I was saying was literally drowned out by nine motherfucking Australian ter terriers barking all at once. Okay, nine dogs, Matt. 
We've uh, bitched about uh, we've now bitched about uh five continents already, folks, and we're only through the first fucking segment. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, Patreon.com forward slash burner return. I know you're excited to join now. Like that was the best sales pitch I think I've ever given in my entire life. I think we just we just had like 60 can- subscription cancels, as a matter of fact, after that. Uh, we'll be okay. I, I promise our feelings aren't hurt. We will wake up tomorrow and probably figure out another way to put our foot in our mouth. Uh, let's check out this week's jo- patreon.com forward slash burn return. Uh, uh, let's check out this week's Joe Knows Turf. There it is. <laughs> Joe Knows Turf. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm gonna give you a bunch of accurate turf facts today because Joe knows turf. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, Demay, what do you have planned for us this week? <laughs> well, uh, I was sent this video uh, and asked to review its content uh, related to a few different claims that were made. So uh, we'll watch the video first. It's actually from somebody we know. It's from Clint, the neighborhood dominator. I believe I, I met Clint uh, at our first Louisville gathering. Nice guy. Had a beer with him. Yeah. You know, cool dude. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, nothing personal here. We're just going to take a look at the video and talk about the content uh, therein. So, Jay Pink, let's roll this for about the uh, first three and a half, four minutes. Uh, demand. It's in motion. Okay. It's in notion. Ooh, and I will tag it. This there. is live. There if this is. Oh. Oh, there it is. Oh, I see. There it is. <laughs> That's my fault. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. We do. Hey, not that kind. Of, not the kind. What? We do the best we can because we're not pretentious assholes. Just saying. Okay. Here we go, guys. Right. Making breakfast. Yes. Am I going to go out on the lawn? Are you guys going to let me go out on the lawn? All right, let's go. Dude, that is a sweet. Pitch. All right. Not going to lie. What are we I, told to do house. by YouTube? A sweet house. It was right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to give it away. It was like right around a big lake. Uh, not one of the great lakes uh, right there in Detroit. Sweet house. Again, nice guy. Sweetheart. All right, let's go. By all these other YouTubers. Fall renovation. Do this. Do that. Well, guess what? This lawn is nice and thick. I will not be overseeding. I will not be scarifying. I won't be doing anything because it's fine. Here's the thing, everybody. When you're doing these full renovations, which I've done numerous full renovations, numerous partials. I know I'm a DIY guy, but I have 100% success rate. I did this backyard. It's amazing. So right now we're doing the fall renovation. It is, we're racing against time because we got to get this lawn established and we gotta get the roots nice and healthy before winter time comes. The name of the game is how fast can we get our seed germinated? Now with establishing those roots, now I wanna say one thing though, is that everyone jumps to a starter fertilizer. Now, a wise man once told me that if there is phosphorus in your soil already, when the seed germinates, it's gonna search for that phosphorus and the roots are gonna go for that and that's its nutrients and it's gonna establish itself. You don't need to throw more down if your phosphorus is high. And since pretty much everybody was a malorganite junkie, so we all have a lot of phosphorus in our soil anyway. So to keep pumping phosphorus into the ecosystem, letting it leach out into my Michigan waterways is not good. I got germination, perennial ryegrass takes seven to 10 days. I got germination in four and a half days. So 
if my math is right, that's like cuts the time in half so we can start getting the roots established. So what did I do? Root booster. That is what I start with, okay? This has 28 plus soil microbes in it. They're all good bacteria. It's gonna coincide with the seed to help speed up and inoculate your seed and jumpstart it to get it going. Inside this bottle, there are phosphate solubilizing bacteria, which will help your existing soil release the phosphorus that's in there and give that to the roots after this product helps your seed germinate. So I use that. Number two, Quali Pro Propoconazole 14.3. This stuff helps the seed germinate and get you going faster. I never knew this, but what? there's this guy named the Lawn Whisperer. Three different ways, go to your grocery, not grocery store. There's his logo right here. His name's Justin, he's a fireman, he helps people. This guy made it clear. He says, take a look at the instructions. Here, take a look at this. Establishment of cool season turf grasses. As an additional benefit, QualiPro Propoconazole 14.3 will improve the establishment rate when it is applied to cool season grass, seedlings, or sod. It is right in the label, people. So, with Root Booster helping inoculate the seed, Propoconazole helping inoculate the seed. I just like that word. It's the same as germinate. With, with all this going on, now I have established this. I started up here. I know it looks like POA, but I dug it all out because this is baby grass. But I mean, I just overseeded more, but this stuff all germinated in four and a half days. After time, the color will match. But now, what is the procedure? So, what I did for this partial renovation that is all, all right, over pause. my lawn. Okay. A lot going on here. And three major points that uh, we want to go through here, okay? So, the first, right, is the claim about uh, the bacteria, right, that will solubilize phosphorus, okay? <laughs> so, and he, he, he and I want to say this, Clint makes a good point about the fact that a lot of people, especially if you're watching Long Care YouTube, you've been doing this for a while, you probably have overcooked it yourself on P as it is, right? And there's a lot of situations mm -hmm. where you wouldn't want to add additional. So he makes a very good argument and a very good case of why. And he's trying, I think what he's saying here is that he's trying to use something that's going to use the P that's in his soil, maybe more efficiently, maybe not, okay? The study he references is back from 1999. The full paper and the data is really, really hard to come by. So we can look and see that there's a lot of data out there about solubilizing bacteria, right, for phosphorus. But here's the thing is in pretty much all of them, they're going to say that unless you're in a low phosphorus situation, it's kind of a moot point, right? Okay. The seed has a germaplasm, it has an endo endosperm, right, that is basically there to serve as the catalyst to get it going. So the phosphorus that's there is only, right, helping once roots begin to establish. After that, there's no point. Now, I do want to jump in here real quick. Go ahead, Matt. While you're doing that, uh, JP, and I was just going to say, so as you as you move through that germination period where you have roots that have established in the soil, immediately you have uh, the benefit of root exudates working in your favor. And again, we kind of talked about this a, a little bit on Thursday uh, with, uh, I think it was one of Eric Sands' questions. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember who it was, but 
the question was, is, is, you know, is it imperative that you have all your nutrients soluble uh, at specific times? In high yield crop production, you know, there have been plenty of studies that correlate with X parts per million of boron at tassel one will provide a 20, 30 bushel per acre increase or zinc at a certain part per million part per million at V4 is going to give you a certain greater probability of an additional 40 bushels per acre uh, uh, come, come harvest, right? Grass is not harvested in that way. Um, and, and because also the, the other aspect of this is that also uh, um, uh, the, the rate of exudation that occurs in turf grass is usually much higher than we see in uh, crops, uh, is, is especially in the in the vegetable space, right? So, again, that idea that if you have a high phosphorus level in your soil and you need to add something to it to solubilize it, assuming that your pH is within an acceptable range for turf grass to grow in, right? And we'll say you're growing Kentucky bluegrass. You know, and we'll say that's uh, that's five eight to seven six, right? Uh, and and I, I don't know exactly what it is. It'll, it'll be cultivar dependency there, the uh, a nuance that you have to take into effect. Say you're at a seven five, right? Does that mean you need to run out there and apply a microbe? Even if you're at a seven nine, does that mean you need to go apply a microbe to solubilize it? No. Um, and no. if you're at a seven nine, dropping your pH will allow exudation to give you the full benefit of what you need to utilize the phosphorus that's already in your soil. Solubilizing it is not giving you any sort of competitive advantage there uh, in, that, in, that, in that space that will give you a measurable metric that you can look at and say that was worth the investment. The return on investment there was so great it, with the cost benefit shows that I should do that on a repeated basis. That has never been established because that can't be established because Turfgrass is amazing in its ability to solve that problem, assuming there isn't a deficiency in play and assuming that you have a pH within an acceptable range, which is large, which is very large. It solves its problems on its own. We talked about specific to iron. If you're trying to turn your grass artificially blue, solubility is important in that regard because that is going to be the way that you turn the grass blue. However, you can apply iron oxide all day long and avoid uh, 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 iron chlorosis, assuming your pH is within an acceptable realm, because again, you have exudates working in your favor. Your root system is going to be releasing bits of oxalic acid, malic acid, citric acid, chelating agents that are going to solubilize that and help take it in, in an amount to support the physiological processes of keeping the plant alive. So I, I hope that makes sense with some clarity there. What, what else, where else were you going to say to me? I didn't mean to get so aggressive. No, no, this was, this, no, this was, this was fine. So uh, the, with that uh, solubilization, again, the idea here is that the, in certain situations, it can be helpful. But in the situations that we have here with what Clinton describes as high phosphorus soils, which oh, there's a lot in Michigan too. Michigan's a, an area known and prone high phosphorus soils in certain parts of it right but in the case here of you know soils that have had a lot of p added to them over time really 
not a concern. And we'll talk about this here and again, why that might be an actual problem that's, that might be created downstream here. Okay. The second article. Uh, Time's like up. It's over. Up. Yeah, yeah, sort of. So Clint refers to uh, a section of the label on Propaganzal, which has been there for a long time, going back to the old banner days when this was labeled. Gosh, Ray, when do you think banner was labeled? Probably early 90s, was- maybe even late 80s. Late 80s, and back then, I remember it as a Siba Geige product. Exactly. Siba Geige so, was a 1980s company. <laughs> so I know it was a 1980s. I'm a damn dinosaur, Matt. I'm a damn dinosaur, so with, I'll admit. <laughs> with Siba Geige's development of this product, right? And Ray can maybe mm-hmm. speak a little bit more on this, but this mm-hmm. product was initially screened as a plant growth regulator. And they found out that it had such great fungistatic properties, right? Because a lot of the fungicides that we apply don't necessarily kill them. They they stop the growth of them to a significant rate that the grass can recover and Mm -hmm. heal, right? So had such good fungistatic properties that they chose to use it and market it as a uh, fungicide, okay? That being said, it does have some effect on plant hormones, right? Which is what essentially plant growth regulators do. So at some point, I reached, yeah. So I, I actually asked this question to Syngenta because the label comes from them, right? The, the label that Qualipro is using is the same active ingredient, CPA, same EPA reg number of that particular active ingredient, right? And their response was that basically that it was probably something that was seen in Siba Geige's testing back when this product was still in development. It's just never been removed from the label. So I tried to find as much research-backed literature that exists on this topic and so far, what I can tell is even from anecdotal research that people did just in terms of efficacy trials, things like that, it really doesn't exist. The only thing that I could find was this right here from uh, a thesis that was done back in 1991 when this product was fairly new on the market. Uh, and basically, if you go down and look there, uh, propiconazole, slide up there, first paragraph halfway through, propiconazole at 0, 0.5, and 0.9, and 1.9 grams of active ingredient per kilogram of seed did not affect the total germination. However, germination was delayed with the propiconazole seed treatment, right? So that inoculation, as Clint described it, uh, really wasn't seen in the only type of public re- published research that we have on this topic. And so, you know, I would caution people and not say that, hey, don't do it because we say so. I'm just saying that what was observed and what, get, and what ends up on a label, especially something that doesn't get removed from a label for years and years and years, and doesn't really ever get tested either, might not be the best advice 30 years later, right? Especially if we have newer cultivars, we have grasses that are maybe not, that, that weren't tested on back then, but they are now, things of that nature, right? So take that for right. what it is, right? okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing here is, go ahead and uh, throw this up here. Uh, so phosphorus influence on uh, annual bluegrass competitiveness at seeding in perennial ryegrass and grouping bentgrass. So this is a study that was recently done here um, by a pretty a, a pretty cross functional group here. Uh, I can't remember where Brandon McNally is. Matt Elmore is a uh, is at Rutgers. Alec Kolweski is at Oregon State. I think Alyssa Kane is out there too. And then uh, Chase Straw at Texas A and M editing. So there's this uh, premonition, this thought, this anecdotal observation that's taken place over the years, and it's certainly been supported by research too that additional P actually fuels. Uh, annual bluegrass um, establishment and development and prolonging it and turning it into, not turning it into, but allowing it to thrive in a perennial state as opposed to an annual state. Okay. So uh, what they have Ryan, sought to do here, yes. Is 
validate what all the old-time golf supers have said anecdotally is that the old-time golf super, do you know what their two tools were for annual bluegrass management back in the old days? Okay, and one of them you. was... One of them was reduction or minimization of high phosphorus fertilizer applications on their greens. And second, uh, you know, tool was, of course, usage of a competing element to discourage uh, phosphorus uptake by the annual bluegrass. Ray. But, but Ryan, uh, you know, do go on with this because uh, it seems like those old time golf supers were right. <laughs> you know, well, reading so further it, down in the abstract. <laughs> yeah, if you read further down in the abstract and you look at the data tables and their things, try to understand what they're doing here is basically they're trying to find, okay, hey, what rate, and they're using this on sand too. And the part of the reason is that they can control. His P level is a little bit better in terms of what's going in, what's coming out, things like that. But um, mm -hmm. the idea here is to simulate a low phosphorus condition and see how low they can go to uh, discourage poa annua, but encourage the growth of their desirable grass. In which case, here you've got a ryegrass, you've got ryegrass plots, and you've got creeping bed grass plots. So essentially, what they say is that at rates above, I think it's twenty-five grams per hectare. Was it? Uh, where's it at? If you go down all the way down to the conclusions here, there's a critical rate. Yeah, go down, go down, go down, go down. Down. Lower. Lower, J-Pink. Lower. <laughs> um, yeah, so annual bluegrass was slightly improved when P was applied at greater than 25 kilograms per hectare, right? So what they're saying is, is that rates that are pretty common on P applications, it doesn't take much to send this stuff over the edge. So the reason I'm saying this, right, is that in an environment where Clint has just gone through a heck of a lot of effort to eliminate POA out of his lawn, is that root booster potentially sending things back the wrong way. And again, at these rates, this is more than do, uh, the dirt booster is going to be able to solubilize. And Matt, why don't you tell us why that is? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, here, this this particular study that I'm going to show here is it was is the absolute holy hell of best case scenario, and I think the chart. Um, well, we we talk about soil inoculants in in general here first, right? The problem with soil inoculants is that when you take a foreign uh, a, a ratio of bacteria and apply it to native soil, what gets consumed first? The native soil bacteria consume the foreign soil bacteria because it's in different concentrations, it's in different forms, uh, different species than what is natively there unless you just took what was already in your soil and then uh, amplified that, right? Well, you can't do that, right? Because literally property okay. by property, you would have to ferment uh, the microbes at the exact ratio that exists in that single property for that single area, assuming the soil structure is all going to maintain the same across property line to property line. So right, Matt? immediately when you apply uh, this, it's not going to, to, to make it mm -hmm. there. It's going to be consumed yeah. first. What were you going to say, Ray? What I was going to say is that, you know, with this whole issue of the native populations 
being so competitive and literally being hostile to any kind of inoculant, the only time I can see an inoculant doing anything tangible is in the cases where the soil has either been steamed or gassed. Uh, unfortunately, Ray, one of the things they did was they took sterile environments and applied it, and uh, about 95% of them died uh, relatively quickly uh, after do you know application. Why, do, you know why they, uh, do you know why they did? It's because the problem with soil bacteria is that, say you take a plot and you've gassed that plot with a pound per 100 square foot of methyl bromide and chlorpicrin, Per hundred square foot. The problem is, is that there is so much in native inoculum in the general environment that even if you could gas and sterilize, the prevailing microbial, you know, population will quickly recolonize that soil no matter what you do. Matt, could you show me the graph line where it shows me what happens when I put that? soil in the microwave with some totino's pizza rolls that have been inoculated oh. <laughs> yeah um wait what was that again see how steamy it is hmm. <laughs> just take a bite uh what, is, what does john perry think about that um i would advise anybody who's thinking of doing this not to oh well <laughs> listen that's because <laughs> john perry one time he, he, yeah he, he burned his mouth on a boiling lava hot hot pocket it happens everybody's done it at least once, uh, just and then three days later, you have to peel the roof of your mouth. It's not a good time. I think. Uh, I think the two things to take away from this are one: just be careful about you know these. The last five percent things are easy to kind of goof up on and trick yourself and and do something wrong. The other thing is is that to kind of tie this back into our original segment is for every hot boiling lava hot hot pocket out there, there is a tuna can that fits inside of it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, with that, let's check out this week's Burns. Fire! What, about, what about what about the arrow from a bow and arrow as the uh, as the antithesis of the of the tuna can? Uh, going to, speaking uh, yeah. speaking of Sheila and tuna cans and bow and arrows, um, I was thinking we about, have like, a yardy issue going on. Buckies. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> The Bucky's brisket. You know, no, the yard, the yard of beef. You know, you walk in there, they've got those like three foot long sticks of beef jerk. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It has those at Bucky's. <laughs> oh, shoot. I mean, oh, right. I, I'm getting one this year. I'm getting right. one. <laughs> uh, right, one. In Watkinsville, Georgia. Uh, okay. So what they are doing is uh, they are taking waste from. Uh, poultry manure that is largely a sludge liquid. Uh, I'll call it a chicken hmm. sludge. Uh, it's it's hydrolyzed okay. manure. Okay, and uh, and they're and they're spraying it on fields. And the the good thing is is that well, it's, it's responding pretty good on on fields on uh on hay fields and stuff because well, you're spraying MPK. Damn it. Uh, the caveat to that is that it is gassing out high school uh Oconee county uh county high school classes started this week however they are wondering what in the f is going on 
Uh, tanker trucks are in and out spraying a fragrant product used as a low-cost substitute to fertilizer. Uh, they're calling it chicken sludge. And it's about as green as it can get uh, as far as the, the animals are raised on the land and they're processed, and then they're put right back into the land. Uh, however, uh, when it did, when the wind blew in this direction, we physically could not stay outside. It was not possible. Uh, she raises horses in a neighborhood, uh, recently tweeted uh, tr- a tree of what she calls the chicken sludge. Uh, and she, she said she understands the intention. I think it's a great intention, but the product itself is just, my God. I, I grew up here. I'm all about fertilization, but this is not like anything that I've ever smelled or ever seen before. Uh, she wants to know what's in it. It turns out each batch is different. Surprise. And each has to be registered with the state agricultural department because of complaints. Commissioner Tyler uh, Harper says policing it has been a priority. Uh, that's the reason we're implementing changes because of the balancing act of uh, allowing our industry to succeed while addressing concerns of the citizens. Uh, the state doesn't call it chicken sludge. It calls it the fertilizer substitute soil amendment. And Har- Harper says hiring additional investigators to check complaints like those in Oconee County. Uh, again, it's, I, I, man, I get it. Hydrolyzed poultry manure uh, is, I can't even begin to describe the fun. Okay. There are compost piles of fertilizer, right? And and you can become so uh, saturated in, in them, like the, when the when the, uh, the 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 concentration of whatever odor generating properties have have reached uh, critical mass in the air, uh, at certain threshold uh, peak saturation, it loses a lot of the pungency of just like raw chicken manure, right? There's something about hydrolyzing it that it continues to spoil. Right, and you get more and more generation of these bacteria that are the odor odor causing fraction of it versus when it composts over a period of time, those begin to wane in population as uh, as it becomes as it composts further and further, a lot of the bacteria actually dies right you're just you're left with, with a higher degree of the uh, of the uh, organic carbon component and uh, but in this instance you're co- effectively concentrating all the shit that produces odors and uh, and then you're spraying that on fields. The great thing is that well. Uh, ultimately that gets converted into NPK pretty quickly. And so, you know, it's like a, a soil amendment of sorts, you know, you're fortifying the ground with NP and K caveat to that is that you're concentrating the worst of the worst in odor producers in order to generate that NP and K tough, it's a tough sell. It's a shitty situation. No pun intended. Uh, hey, I'm just glad that our friend Steven sold and got out of Watkinsville uh before you know the shit hit the fan here our good buddy you know, steve yep. getting bold out of his head do you know what the actual issue is in this situation actual issue in this situation is application yeah, better because you know that's got to be a part of it too no because here's here's the thing about using liquid uh sludges manures etc is that you do not want that to be a liquid application on the surface. You want that shanked into the ground or otherwise incorporated subsurface because literally, here's what's happening, Matt. They go out and spread this liquid on the surface, and in the meantime, all of that hydrogen sulfide, methane, and ammonia is just evaporating as soon as they've applied it. And guess where all of that goes? Right into the surrounding neighborhood. And you know what? That 
is literally, no pun intended, a fall situation. It's, again, uh, you know, intent versus uh, uh, result there is going to be wildly different. And it's uh, good luck figuring that out. Uh, The next one here is organic better. Ah, This is going to tie into regenerative ag and all that. It's a pretty interesting one. Uh, Is organic food grown without synthetic chemicals better than conventionally grown uh, food? Uh, Roughly 40% of Americans say at least some of the food they eat is organic. So quite a few eaters clearly believe it is. However, there is no reliable evidence showing that organically grown foods are more nutritious or safer to eat. In 2012, a review of the data of 237 studies conducted, 237 studies conducted at the Center for Health Policy at Stanford University concluded that there was no convincing differences between organic or conventional foods in the United States. Since the use of uh, uh, nutrient content or health benefit, the organic ban on synthetic chemicals also fails to improve food safety in the U.S. Since the use of pesticides is now significantly regulated in conventional farming, insecticide use today is 82% lower than it was in 1972. And because produce in supermarkets has been washed to remove nearly all the chemical residues that might remain. Uh, In 2021, the USDA uh, conducted its annual survey of pesticide residues on food in the American marketplace, testing 10,127 food samples from nine different states it found that more than 99% had residues safely below the EPA's tolerable uh, tolerance levels, which are cautiously set at only one one hundredth of an exposure that still does not cause toxicity in animals. Food scientists at the University of California, Davis, conclude from such surveys that the marginal benefits of reducing human exposure of pesticides in the diet through increased consumption of organic produce appear to be insignificant. By one estimate, in 2014, only 8% of organic sales in the U.S. were still being made by small farmers through farmers markets or through community-supported agriculture. Many consumers continue to think organic foods come from small local farms, but most now come from distant industrial farms. By one estimate, in 2014, only 8% of organic sales in the U.S. were still... Did I I just read the same thing again, or did it... Is it written twice? I think I read the same thing twice. Uh, Over 80% of all U.S. organic sales are now made by corporate conglomerates like ConAgra, Heinz, and Kellogg. The biggest retailer of organic foods are also Walmart, Costco, and Kroger. Most commercial farmers, both large and small, want to use at least some synthetic nitrogen fertilizer, which means they can't be certified as organic. That is why less than 1% of harvested cropland in America is certified organic. Canadian geographer Vaclav Smil has estimated that without synthetic nitrogen, 40% of the increased food production required by today's population can never have taken place. Organic yields are lower. So if we shifted more production organic, we would also have to plow up more land to produce the same amount of food, which would reduce wildlife habitat and damage the environment. Intuition tells us foods grown without manufactured Chemicals are more natural and therefore better for the environment, safer to eat, and helping small local farms. Even the fact that organic foods are more expensive seems a reason to think that they are better. But in this case, intuitive thinking takes us in the wrong direction. If we follow the fucking science. Mm. Did everybody get that? Did everybody get that? Yep. Again, When are we going to move beyond the fucking headlines that we read and not actually digest what's being presented? And this is this is fucking society (laughs) in general right now. 
is that we consume fucking headlines, we react to it, and then we jump on fucking social media and we pressure whoever does not fucking agree with the headline that they're uh, racist, intolerant, you name it. Just attach a fucking label to them about how horrible of a human being they are and move on to the next fucking topic that drives you crazy. When in reality, whatever whatever the, the substance is beyond the headline is just discarded as like those facts can't be presented to take away from my rage. I don't need the, the entirety of the story because I have fucking emotions. I have generational trauma that needs to be fucking expressed. <laughs> if you don't fucking co-sign everything that I vomit on you and call me pastel or painted or painter or whatever the case may be, then you are a fucking terrible human being that doesn't deserve a job and a bank account and a family. Fuck you. Matt, this ties in very precisely with the previous burn. You know why? You know what my problem is with organically produced fruits and vegetables? Do you know what my specific problem is? With those organically Lay produced fruits and vegetables? Spencer. Spencer Cook. No. Spencer. It is because there's a high possibility that those fruits and vegetables were grown with something that may well contain bacteria from either animal shit or human shit. Okay? Because organic and recycled. Uh, you know what my first experience was with uh, quote-unquote food grown uh, with recycled materials? Back when I was in university, I had a girlfriend whose mother came from mainland China. Okay? And one of the things I noticed is that this lady never served any raw vegetables, ever. She never did. Everything was either boiled or thrown into flaming oil. And the reason why that was is because in China, guess what they fertilize with? Yes. Arwenia. It's organic. <laughs> it's organic. I mean, according to uh, the uh, greeninis, it's organic. So it's all right because it is not that evil uh, ammonium sulfate or evil urea. Oh, no, no, no. It is organic. But the fact of the matter is, is that what do you think happens when you don't use ammonia or urea as your nitrogen source? Where does that nitrogen have to come from, Matt and Ryan? Where? Erwinia. Think about it r real hard. Yep. Erwinia. Uh, salmonella. No, or I, uh, I, got a, I got a good one for you all. Uh, COVID? E. coli. <laughs> e. coli, okay? And, and, we're, e -coli. and we're, be, we're banned. Sorry. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I remember when Jack in the Box had a consignment of ground beef that had, uh, you know, hematoxic uh, E. coli contamination. 
that was not a good time. Because, you know, unfortunately, people that just wanted a uh, greasy uh, post-bar bar hopping uh, burger uh, instead uh, had got fatal E. coli infections. So, yeah. And then more recently, guys, do you know why all of these organic greens are implicated in E. coli outbreaks to this day? Why does E. coli keep showing up in my spinach, Ray? <laughs> okay. It is because of contamination by either human or animal sewage. Mm. And sometimes that contamination is, is intentional because, let's see, recycled water, usage of, uh, you know, sludge manures like that uh, chicken slurry that was featured in the previous mm. burn. Because you know what? Mm. Provided the, you know, provided the, uh, you know, the harvesters wash their hands after they go to the bathroom and the field is fertilized with with good old uh, urea instead of chicken sludge, chances are your spinach is not going to have E. coli in it as it does now. I I think this again, you know, reading beyond the headlines uh, as a society, all we can ask for at this point is is the asteroid. Uh, when is the right time to stop mowing your lawn? Uh, your lawn. Uh, we have a great article written by. Uh, uh, did Lawn Lover write this? Who wrote this? Uh, <laughs> who, who's the guy who does uh, the, uh, uh, the the meaning of why why what was it the meaning why we do what lawn we mentor? Do yeah, the mentor. The lawn, lawn mentor. Mentors. Yeah. As temperatures start to yeah. decrease, grass begins to slow its growth until around 50 degrees when it stops growing. That is the best time to stop mowing your lawn. <laughs> Unreal. Mm. One of the owners of Chamberlain Acres says that once the area constantly stays, stays below 50 degrees, then the grass stops growing. So at this point in the year, the grass will still grow, especially during the day. The reason the grass stops growing is because it conserves and goes dormant, just like the leaves on trees. Uh, this way, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's not the same. Uh, Chamberlain Acres <laughs> is celebrating. Uh, oh wait, this way it can thrive again once the spring comes along. Chamberlain Acres celebrating National Farmers Market Week this weekend. Of course they are. A good way to help the grass is to fertilize it. Around this time of the year is a good time to do so, but be careful with how you do so. Says one of the owners of Chamberlain Acres, using weed killers will help to keep golf course grass, but it will need to be maintained more frequently and will also make the grass more dangerous for pets and wildlife. Weed killer won't harm the grass who wrote this the amount of rain the, the area gets will also <laughs> dictate the amount of weeds that would be present this year we've got a lot of rain so grass is able to grow easier and grow oh grow God. easier and create stronger roots meaning there's less space for weeds but when there's less it, rain weeds are able to thrive much easier because of matt really drought conditions or are, are, are pro okay. pro weed establishment this guy is matt, a this, this oh, is okay. Chamberlain Acres. My, my, Master my question for you, no, my question for you is, how much mess did this guy take before <laughs> proceeding to write this article? I don't think <laughs> a, a human being actually wrote this article. Um, I think this was plugged into Chat GPT, like one of the real early editions, and then submitted to the oh, editor, <laughs> and uh, and then it just it it got published because of the name. Chamberlain Acres and probably an accreditation like 
uh, I'm a master gardener. Okay, so uh, okay. We're on, for those of you that like are like Brian Whaley, we're, meaning we're, zero. Wayland, Wayland, Wayland. Um, yeah. Yeah. Brian Wayland. Yeah. So we're on the Ch- Chamberlain Acres Garden Center and Florist website right now. And Matt, for yeah. those of you listening at home, I'd like you to read off the top menu options here across the top. Actually, he's drinking. I'll read them. Oh no, yeah. we got home farmers market, farmers market, order flowers, classes and events, nursery pictures. Funeral flowers. Click the more, more Click the more I'm sure this is going to be. We have a gift shop and wedding ideas. <laughs> now, <laughs> I don't know under what subheading that turf and lawns is going to be, but I'm going to probably say that these boys are out over their skis a little bit. Don't you think? Or it could be the math. It's under the heading Master Gardener. Somewhere on here is the word Master Gardener, at least in the SEO uh, section of it. And, uh, and, and that is where it comes from. It is a dick swinging, look at my credentials. Um, I grow plants, therefore you should listen to me uh, because I'm better than you. And I have stronger morals than you. I am morally superior than you. <laughs> Sounds like uh, oh, dear. driver and supernova to me. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, you know, um, these, these guys are clowns. <laughs> Do not follow any of this advice, uh, as is driver and supernova, too. I love them, but they are 100% clowns also. Uh, let's check out this week's returns. Uh, I am back. We are returning with the uh, the good news of good news here. Uh, we arrested a man in Pensacola. Rashad Stafford was charged with three counts of grand theft, larceny, and four counts of burglary after he stole over ten grand worth of steel lawn equipment from local businesses and vehicles. Uh, Scambia County said uh, property crimes unit got a little tip as far as what was going on. Uh, we checked some surveillance, and we were able to lock this guy up. He's got a thirty thousand dollars bond. Uh, let's hope. Let's hope he actually gets punished Pause. for this. Because imagine the number of people he sent into early retirement due to heart attacks. Well, what's a blower worth on the street? I mean, is this the best you can? Do? I mean, what you know? This is like baseball, right? You know, you Eight get ball. single A, double A, triple A. Like what? What? Where are you this playing three, if you're having a steal? <laughs> can you just straight can you just trade straight up for that at the coach? I, I would think so. A four hundred and fifty dollar blower will get you, you know <laughs> one eat all, maybe one just maybe. one because actually uh... actually it probably wouldn't. Hang on, I take that back. They might give you a gram for you know. So if if a blower's worth four hundred bucks, right? You know they'll give you they'll give you eighty bucks worth of worth of fucking coke for it. This is this going to be on the ACT math? You know. All right. So you have. <laughs> I did well on it. I got I got seven fifty on it. It was the coke, not SAT. the blower. I'm oh, sorry, it was the SAT. All right. SAT, yeah. <laughs> Good thing he's in jail. I think I think I may have it's been returned. on coke when I took that test as math. Just kidding, I wasn't. It was that wrong? <laughs> Statue uh, limitations. Former Tesla. Actually, I think I, I was coming off an acid trip. <laughs> Made that up too. I, I, I legitimately. <laughs> it laid I, down I on do a carpet in the middle of the room years. and took my <laughs> <laughs> my third eye. 
took my test. It was weird. Luckily, um, there's not a spinal tap as a form of <laughs> test at the ACT. All right, let's go. Best. Lord. With failures. Uh, <laughs> Guardian Agriculture tapped a former Tesla engineer to, to lead its supply chain as the company prepares to scale production for its autonomous crop dusting drones. Uh, Matt uh, Sharoni has been a vice president of supply chain and manufacturing. Guardian said in its release this week, he previously held engineering positions at Tesla and oversaw production of electrical vertical aviation company Beta. Beta! Uh, Jesse, Jesse Lee Peterson, the... Uh, Dude, turns out he's gay. Isn't that funny? The people who are most anti-gay turns out are the the gays of gays. Um, this drone can carry a 200-pound payload and cover 40 acres per hour of full field crop protection. I'm not going to lie. That is pretty damn cool. Uh, at scale, the company said it will help eliminate hundreds, hundreds of millions of pounds of unnecessary pesticide use each year. Uh, precision uh, pesticide applications. We'll see. That is a that is one of those facts that a startup gives you that you hear and you get really excited about. And then when it actually makes it into production, you're like, ah, well, you know, we're working towards it, right? That's the goal that we have to get to. We still got a long way to go, but we're working towards the goal. I love startups for that reason. Um uh Guardian has already banked more than a hundred million dollars in the pipeline. Again, you you got to love the startup flair there. We've already sold $100 million of units. Uh, the price for the system starts at $119,000, according to the website. The first drone delivers to customers in late 2023, also known as late 2027. Uh, commercial operations <laughs> are expected to start at Wilbur Ellis uh, uh, at a Wilbur Ellis customer in California in the coming months. And the company continues to ramp its production capacity. Uh, that will help Guardian enter its next phase of growth, joining a team of former executives from Apple, Uber, and other tech giants. That's amazing. How many, um, uh, do you, do you see the, do you see the names that are being thrown around right here? Like the path yeah. to scaling is not laid out. It is the dick swingers that are, that are laid out, right? It's not like, you know, Hey, we have locked up suppliers in these key States with these Matt? key, uh, 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 I know on, you, on the you road know you trucking are companies that fans. are dedicated logistics. We signed yep. Aaron you know Rodgers. Now we're the Jets. Yep. And you, and you know what's going to make this not make a fuck a difference? Uh, you know going to make all this not not no not a fuck <laughs> a UAW a strike. No, the fact that a railroad strike. Most no most state agricultural departments that, actually require a drone operator. To have the same licensing as an aerial spray applicator. Well, the good, news, the good news is, is that we have trained kids in, uh, in video game controllers quite well. And so I would say there's a ton of Gen Zers out there that... Uh, um, it, 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 but you know in what? An open, uh, in an open book test could at least pass the uh, um, uh, the requirements for becoming a pesticide applicator as long as the, the, uh, the pronouns the, are the correct. The drone operation part, however, and then it's just video the games problem, at that point. No, the problem is, is that State Department of Agriculture gives zero fucks about that. They want to know if you are qualified to fly a traditional helicopter or biplane first before they'll give you your damned you know drone application license because i've looked into this matt i've actually looked into what 
would be needed to actually fly a drone carrying, say, uh, MSM and dicamba over my uh, grazed area, you know, properties that need brush control. Because I'm starting to get a bit old to be hiking up and down those hills with a 90-pound backpack. And yeah. Ray, you know, wait, the, wait till the Zoomers start crying about how hard it is because they have the qualifications just like the next person does. And, and what's going to happen? The government will cave because someone yelled loud enough. It's, uh, it's the name of the game. Right. And then you know what we'll do? We will vote to give them more power to take away more freedoms from us in the name of security and promises that and, kids and with blue so, yeah. hair can security and safety because uh, pesticide. Yeah, yeah. Because do you know what my do you know what my favorite uh, saying is that was uh, first pinned by uh, Ben Franklin? Do you know what my f- favorite saying is? Lay it on me. My favorite saying is he who desires security and liberty to be given by the government deserves neither. Yep. And so you, you trade, see, there, there's you a trade one for the other. Hello, Patriot Act. Yeah. And, and you see. Thanks, George Bush. That give, you killed no, it. That gives some people. Uh, some like hint as to my political leanings, right there. Yeah, we did a we did a we did a great job with that. Um, yeah, I digress. Yeah. Man, we we really <laughs> had a really uplifting, uh, really uplifting <laughs> show today. Uh, we're gonna close this before before look. Patreon dot com forward slash burner return. If you if you need to talk to somebody seriously, call someone. I get it. After a, yeah. today's episode, you may you may need this to call. This is a full throated episode. Even call me. Know. Call me. I promise <laughs> I I will I will talk you off the ledge. Of course there's there's hotlines out there that you can call to. Uh, but reach out to a friend, <laughs> a loved one, tell them you love them, have them tell tell them they love you because I promise people care about you. It's not all bad news. We're doing a lot of this for comedic effect as well. And uh and you know from from our seats and our careers and our professions and our years involved in this. It's just some days you come into it with your with your jaw on the table and uh and you hope you have the strength to pick it up and right now we don't but after a good night's rest we probably will and it'll all shake out in the wash patreon.com forward slash burner return we're gonna go hang out with the painters now let them pick the title of this week's episode Bye. No. we'll do it live <laughs> <Fuck> it. <laughs> thanks thanks bill <laughs>